This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. McGregor's return date is set. Some big rumored fights in March. And the UFC is back this weekend. Praise the MMA gods. Today we are joined by two top prospects, Aspen Ladd and Bryce Mitchell, who compete on this weekend's card in Washington, D.C. Thanks to those listening to the podcast or on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa. Please spread the word about this great show. And if you uh, want to reach out to us on Twitter, at Aaron Bronstetter, at Bazooka Joe V. Joe, unfortunately, not here this week. He is in Shenzhen, China right now for glory. I did get to spend some time with Joe on Saturday, though. BTC 8 took place in Niagara Falls, the first ever professional MMA card held in Niagara Falls, Ontario. Niagara Falls, Ontario, always a fun place to go. So uh, I was with uh, Joe and uh, Matt Speciale, who was uh, he cornered for the fight and uh, got to spend some time with them after the event and uh, just enjoyed being out there for BTC. I, great, great organization, great promotion out there. They, they held a, a great event. Um, I know I keep using the word great to describe it, but uh, it's accurate. And uh, kudos to Scott Hudson, who won in the main event. Uh, I know his opponent got upset with me on Twitter for saying that uh, he was being outstruck by Scott Hudson, but I'm only relaying what I'm seeing. Maybe I'll have to watch it back and see if uh, I'm just misremembering in the uh, words of the great Roger Clemens. So, thanks to the to uh, the organization, BTC, for having me uh, out there to cover the event. I appreciate it. But we've got... Uh, the major promotions to attend to with the UFC returning to Washington, D.C. this coming weekend for the first time in a while with a, a, a solid card headlined by Yarzinho Rosenstruck versus Alistair Overeem in the heavyweight division. And uh, two prospects who will be on the show today. As mentioned, we've got... Uh, Aspen Ladd and Bryce Mitchell, both of whom I believe were on the uh, ESPN's list of uh, top prospects under 25 years of age. Aspen Ladd facing Yana Kunitskaya, Bryce Mitchell facing Matt Sales. Those will both be uh, great fights. Looking forward to them. So last week, we touched on the return of Conor McGregor very briefly, as it uh, had just been announced and uh, just been reported by Brad Okamoto of ESPN. And uh, now we have a little bit of time to let things breathe a bit. You know, we've had some time to digest the news of his return against uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. And um, we don't know what the co-main event is going to be, but we do know that that will be the headlining fight five rounds at 170 pounds. Cerrone versus McGregor. Now, Justin Gaethje came out and said something along the lines of, well, you know, this is good news for me because this fight's going to happen at 170. About that, I think the reason this fight's happening at 170 is because Condor's calling the shots, and uh, he has earned the ability to do that, given what he's uh, meant to the promotion over the years. But that doesn't necessarily take him out of the picture at lightweight. Who knows? Who knows what happens? I do think though that if you did take that shot away from Gaethje, you're really wronging this individual, and I'll explain why. And I think it's fairly clear as to why he beat Cowboy Cerrone. He's ranked one spot below McGregor. So to give McGregor the fight with Cowboy and have Gaethje basically sitting on the sidelines, uh, like I don't think you're going to do a Gaethje-Poirier re- uh, rematch. That doesn't do anything for Gaethje. I, if I'm Gaethje, I'm not accepting that fight. 
you're basically relegating one of the most exciting fighters in the sport to the sidelines to wait and see what happens. And we don't have Tony versus Khabib until April. So that means we're probably not going to see Justin Gaethje fight until, I don't know, July, August? Who knows? Unless he takes a fight with someone else, which he could do. But what's the upside? I mean, I think he's earned the title shot. Poirier lost to Khabib. Connors lost to Khabib. You got Ferguson facing Khabib. So the the last man standing in that equation is Gaethje. And Cerrone lost to Gaethje. Cerrone's, uh, you know, one spot behind Gaethje, which to me is still ludicrous. I don't understand how you rank Conor McGregor ahead of Gaethje, but that's neither here nor there. So Gaethje's the odd man out here, and I, I feel bad for the guy. I, I really do. I really do feel bad for Justin Gaethje. I think that, you know, I know that he likes taking a little bit more time between his fights. He likes to rest a little bit, and he says that he is open to the idea of being the backup for uh, the UFC card in April in Brooklyn. I believe it'll be UFC 249? That makes sense. UFC 249. So that makes sense if he's going to take a, a little bit of a, you know, a backup role, especially given the history of these two fighters being paired. This is the fifth time they've been matched up. Matched up in 2015, 16, 17, 18, and now 20. So 19 was a, a leap year, so to speak. Not really. But we'll call it a leap year because they, they weren't booked in 2019. They almost they could have been. <laughs> they could have been. If, if Tony would have ended up fighting Max Holloway in uh, Atlanta, which he was advised not to at the time by his previous management team, or at least had discussed with his pre- previous management team about you know, the upside of taking it. And I guess in some form or fashion it fell through and it ended up being Poirier versus Holloway. Could have been you know, Ferguson versus Holloway, which would have been one heck of a fight. Or even Ferguson versus Poirier. I don't know who it would have been. But be that as it may, Ferguson ended up fighting Cerrone. And now uh, he's next in line, obviously. So... That fight didn't get made in 2019, but it, it could have, hypothetically, could have happened in Saudi Arabia or uh, in Abu Dhabi already. Getting confused with Saudi Arabia, who are hosting Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz. Joshua making $75 million for that fight. That's a lot of money. A lot of scratch. Looking forward to that one. That's going to be fun. But uh, so McGregor's return is upon us, and it's Let's let's clarify something here. I keep calling it a setup fight. It kind of is because if it wasn't a setup fight, he'd be facing Gaethje. That's that's how you keep the division moving along. But there's nothing wrong with a setup fight. A setup fight makes sense from a promotional standpoint. You got to remember they want to get as much out of McGregor as they can. So putting him against Cowboy, you're putting him in an advantageous matchup for him. One that I, you know, obviously you see the odds. He's like a minus two sixty favorite. One that I think is a very competitive fight that Cowboy can easily win. Like I, you know, I don't want to write this off as. A fight that Connor's for sure going to win. If you ask me who I think trained harder in the last year, my answer is for sure Cerrone. I don't have any proof to back that up. And I mean, Connor's got two kids. You know, he's got a lot on his plate. He's got a lot of, uh, you know, corporate, uh, I'm sure, commitments, marketing, all that stuff. He's got a, a whiskey business he's running on the side. He's got lots going on in his life. But that kind of stuff matters. Like, you're not. Look at George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre, I think, is the perfect example of this. He was away from the sport for about, what, five years before he came back and fought Michael Bisping for the middleweight title? 
he looks like a completely different fighter. It looked like he had learned so much. You saw him on the ground. You saw him get a sub. You know, this was a guy that we saw what GSP style used to be. This looked like a different GSP. And that's what training and downtime will do for you if you're consistent with it. And George is, you know, he's obviously the consummate professional and one of these guys that people say you can't keep out of the gym. So I'm curious to see, like, I think if you were were to bet on this fight, the smart money is on Cerrone because you know what you're getting. And with those kind of odds, you're better off betting on something you know than something you don't. But with McGregor, I think that if you look at the matchup, it's a good one. Especially with Cerrone just coming off of a knockout loss. And Cerrone's not a guy that gets knocked out a lot. And Connor hits hard. But at 170, will the power translate? I mean, he was knocking people out at 145. He knocked out Alvarez at 155. But at 170 pounds, he was, he was pounding on Nate for two fights and didn't finish Nate. And Nate and, and Cerrone are similar fighters. Cerrone doesn't have as much volume as Nate, but he's really good on the ground. He's very crafty. So I think that this is a fight where, you know, it's a fight that Cerrone can win. And it's a fight that I think that if Cerrone does win, you have to wonder what the UFC will look like Beyond that, will Conor want to come back again? Will he say, like, listen, I want to fight Masvidal now. I want to... I don't know. Like, what would you... If you're Conor McGregor and you lose this fight to Cerrone, a main event fight on a pay-per-view, coming off a loss to Khabib, you've now lost two in a row. For the, I think the first time in his career, he would have lost two in a row. What do you do? Where do you go from there? Because there's not a whole lot that you can do to get back into the title picture in the near future if you lose to Cerrone at 170. Because you're fighting basically outside a weight class where I think people are expecting him to make a run. At 170 pounds, is he, would he be able to face a Covington or an Usman next? Probably not. Not with Jorge Masvidal and the noise that he's made lately. Can he beat a guy like a Masvidal if he, if he beats Cerrone? I mean, the Masvidal we saw last year, I would, I would venture to say that would be a very, very tough sell if you were to tell me that, that McGregor's able to beat Masvidal, that we, the same Masvidal that we saw dispatch of Nate Diaz, dispatch of Darren Till, dispatch of Ben Askren. That's a tough sell for me. I know both guys were, were 55ers. I still think McGregor is a 55er. I don't, I don't know why McGregor's moving to 170 for this fight. I, don't think, it's, I think it's just going to hurt him. I think it's going to hurt his power. I think he's going to get tired faster because he's carrying more weight than he should be. And I think that, honestly, Cerrone is more of a natural 170 than, than Connor is. Cerrone looks like hell when he cuts to 155. He hates it. But at 170, he's going to be totally hydrated. He's not fighting a guy who's bigger than him. Now, I'm not here to convince you that Cerrone's going to win that fight. But when I hear people talking about, oh, Connor's going to face Cowboy, and then he's going to face Masvidal or Diaz, and then he's going to face Khabib at the end of the year. I know that's what he's saying. I know he says he wants to fight three times in the year. But people are talking about it like it's a foregone conclusion. Like The fight still needs to happen here. And I get that he's a big favorite. But if you look at it as a matchup, and you take everything into consideration... It's shocking to me that he's this big of a favorite over Cerrone. 
And I understand that Cerrone has lost two in a row. But he beat Ally Akinta earlier this year. And Ally Akinta is not a pushover. I know Ayakinta's coming off of a second loss after that. But, you know, Ayakinta's not a walkover opponent. So, Cerrone's still a great fighter. I mean, you can't take it away from him. You know, you can't say he's washed up after he loses to Gaethje and Ferguson. Like, <laughs> if Conor fought Gaethje and Ferguson this past year, I don't think he would have beaten either of those guys. Do you? Maybe he would have beaten Ayakinta. Maybe. But, I mean, Gaethje and Ferguson are the two of the most dangerous guys in the UFC, let alone the division. So, Cerrone getting this fight, you know, good on him. I'm happy that he's getting this fight. I think that the UFC is doing a, a smart thing by rewarding a guy who's been a great soldier for them over the years. Do I think it advances either division? No, not really. But I do think that it is a good fight if you want to get Connor a winnable fight. A fight that's at least more winnable than the other options. So we'll wait and see. I mean, this fight's coming up quick. It's in like just over a month. It's amazing how fast this fight's coming up. And we've got UFC 245 next week. Three titles on the line. I'm looking forward to that. Good way to end the year. I know the Korea. I know there's a South Korea card. But, you know, this is the big one. This is the big one to end the year. Now that they've cut down to 12 pay-per-views, we don't have that year-end pay-per-view. Which I don't really mind. I think it's smart. You're giving your, your staff... Three weeks off in a row during the holiday season. People, the people at the UFC work hard. Like you, you, people don't see what goes on behind the scenes. This is a well-oiled machine. You got somebody who comes and does makeup for every event. You got security, the same security people working almost every event. Weeks off are few and far between for people that work for the UFC. The, the PR team work exceptionally hard. It amazes me how busy a lot of the people at the UFC are kept. And, you know, they treat their employees nicely. I, I heard a, an interview with Dana White. It was called um, Short Story Long, I believe is the name of the podcast. It's an interesting listen. It's about an hour and 20 minutes of Dana White talking about the company's philosophy, um, you know, all sort of things like that. And, of course, his story of how he got to where he is. But, uh, yeah, giving them three weeks off in a row. You have that card on the 21st in South Korea. Then you got... The 28th is off. First weekend in January is off. Second weekend in January is off. Like, you're going to have 25 days between events, something along those lines. I'm sure the staff are thrilled about that in the holiday season, especially given what happened last year during the holiday season where they have to up and go to L.A. with that John Jones debacle. So, but I also think it's going to whet people's appetite. You've got nothing before that Connor card. you basically got... Three weeks of people waiting for a Conor McGregor card? Brilliant. People are going to be, like, the appetite is going to be wet by the amount of downtime in between. I wish they'd do that more often. I wish there was a week off before every pay-per-view just to get people excited for it. I'm excited for this Washington card because we haven't had fights in a while, but I still think that, you know, you got to watch this card and then right away you got another big card the weekend after I think that if you would have had a week off this week like ooh, three straight weeks with nothing and now you got three title shots three title fights on the line three titles <sighs> forget about it
It'll be fun. This card in Washington, very interesting card. You've got uh, Yarzinho Rosenstruck against Alistair Over and two guys with a, a great Dutch kickboxing background. One from Suriname and, of course, Alistair from the Netherlands. Overeem, a small favorite, minus 120. You've also got Marina Rodriguez as a small favorite over Cynthia Calvillo at minus 125. That's a really uh, interesting fight in the women's strawweight division. Calvillo came out guns a-blazing this week, talking about Paige Van Zandt, her former training partner, and a former housemate, former roommate. Said that she was among the names that uh, Paige Van Zandt called out. Paige Van Zandt tagged every flyweight and strawweight not named Macy Barber in a an Instagram post, and she fished away. She's fighting Amanda Rebus at 115 pounds. I thought she was like, she was this big advocate for, for women's flyweight, 125. I can't cut down to 115 anymore. Now suddenly she's fighting at 115. Last fight on her contract. It's going to be an interesting time to see what happens with Paige Van Zandt after that. But she tagged Calvillo, and Calvillo kept responding, and she kept deleting Cynthia Calvillo's responses. Calvillo was not happy about that. But, uh, you know, if I was a betting man, I don't think we're going to see Paige Van Zandt in the UFC beyond this next fight, personally. They've pushed her, they've marketed her, and it uh, seems to, that a lot of it's gone to her head and she just hasn't been winning a lot of valuable fights. Similar to what happened with Sage Northcutt. Not that Sage Northcutt had stuff go to his head. He's, uh, he's like a human puppy. But uh, they pushed him and pushed him and he kept wanting to fight low-level opponents. And they were like, nah, enough's enough with this. But there were a lot of really... Like, if you look at the lines for this weekend's card... The fights where there are really close lines, I'm really excited about all of those fights. I think they're really competitive, competitive fights. Fun to look at, fun to, fun to guess what's going to happen in these ones. So uh, eager to see how this particular card goes. It's going to be uh, a lot of good fighters on this card and a lot of good newcomers. Joe Selecki, for example, Billy Quarantillo, both uh, winners on the Dana White Contender Series, and Mallory Martin as well who's uh, making her debut on short notice. You got the return of Song Yadong against Cody Stamen. That's a fun one as well. A lot to like about this Washington card. What else do we have to talk about? Lots of upcoming events starting to get rumored. Namely, UFC... God, these numbers are killing me. Got 236 in January, 237 in February, 238, 248. UFC 248 in March. Looks like it's going to be in Vegas and headlined by, rumored to be headlined by, Yoel Romero and uh, Israel Adesanya, the champion against Yoel Romero. And uh, the first title defense of Zhong Veili against the strawweight queen, Ioana Janjacek. Two fantastic fights in March. I always like going division by division and seeing what's up. So let's, let's, let's do that right now. That's always fun. Fun, fun activity. Start with the men's divisions. you got flyweight, bantamweight, the champion, Henry Cejudo. If I were to guess, I think that we'll see him return sometime in April, maybe March, on a non-pay-per-view. But uh, I think that if he's going to want to fight at bantamweight next, you're going to see him have to... What's the word I'm looking for? Vacate the flyweight title. Relinquish the, the flyweight title. That's the one I was looking for. Relinquish. It's a fun one. So that's uh, that division. Then you got got the featherweight division. You got Max fighting next week. 
against Alexander Volkanovsky. 155, you've got Khabib and Ferguson slated for April. Bouts are signed. Contracts are signed. We're ready to go. Fifth time's a charm. Now let's never speak of it again until it happens. You got the welterweight division. That's next week as well. Colby Covington facing the champion, Kamaru Usman. Then you've got the middleweight division. We mentioned uh, Yoel versus Israel Adesonia. That would be in uh, March, according to rumors. Not signed. Then you've got the light heavyweight division, John Jones, taking on Dominic Reyes in February in Houston. That one's been announced. Heavyweight division, Stipe versus Cormier, TBD. That could be April, could be May. More likely May, if I had to guess. Stipe still recovering from that eye injury. That's going to be a good one, too. The final fight of the storied career of Daniel Cormier, D.C. Now, if he wins, what happens to the heavyweight title is anyone's guess. Let's go to the women's divisions. You've got the strawweight division, Zhang Veili, defending against Joanna Janjacek, according to rumors, this March. Flyweight division, you've got Valentina Shevchenko defending against Caitlin Chukagian. That fight's been announced February the 8th, Houston, Texas. Women's bantamweight division, you've got Amanda Nunes next weekend against Jermaine Durandame. And then you've got the featherweight division with Amanda Nunes as the champion. We don't know what's happening there. Don't know what's going to happen in that division because there are so few people in it. Will that division continue? Who knows? So there you have it. Those are your champions and your championship bouts. So the only ones that seemingly are up in the air are flyweight, bantamweight, men's divisions, and the men's heavyweight division in terms of uh, what's next there. A lot uh, going on in the bantamweight division. Still a lot. Uh, you got Sandhagen versus uh, Frankie Edgar in January. You got Peter Jan versus Uriah Faber in December. Sure, I'm forgetting some other con- contenders uh, off the top of my head. Light heavyweight division, you've got Corey Anderson against Jan Bojovic, too, being discussed as the headliner for UFC in Rio Rancho. Reminds you of Rancho Relaxo in Toronto. Anybody remember Rancho Relaxo, an old uh, restaurant slash concert venue? RIP Rancho Relaxo. But Rio Rancho, main event. Corey Anderson versus Jan Bojovic, too, to decide who will be next in line for the light heavyweight championship. That would be on February the 15th. So we're starting to get a... Q1 is starting to become a little bit more clear. Now, there's one that has been um, rumored. That would be in Paris, France. I know that uh, Alexander Volkov says he wants to fight Francis Ngannou in France in March, is when he was saying. But uh, the only free weekend in March is March 28th right now. So it could happen then. But let's run down what we have announced for Q1 so far. You got UFC 246, the first card of the year, January the 18th, 2020. Conor McGregor versus Cowboy Cerrone in the main event. January 25th, 2020. PNC Arena, Raleigh, North Carolina. Curtis plays against Junior Dos Santos in the main event. Co-main, Corey Sanhagen versus Frankie Edgar in Edgar's bantamweight debut. The following weekend appears to be off. That would be February the 1st. At least thus far, nothing announced. 
And then you got February the 8th, 2020. John Jones versus Dominic Reyes in the main event. Co-main event, Valentina Shevchenko versus Caitlin Chukagian. UFC 247. Following weekend, Rancho Relaxo. Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Santa Ana Star Center. UFC Fight Night 168, reportedly to be headlined in John Jones' backyard for the title shot against John Jones. If John Jones is able to beat Dominic Reyes the weekend prior, you have Corey Anderson versus Jan Blahovic in the main event. The following weekend, Auckland, New Zealand, Spark Arena. UFC Fight Night 169. This fight's been announced. Headlined by Dan Hooker versus Paul Felder. Some other fights on that card. Jake Matthews versus Emil Mech. Magomed Mustafaya versus Brad Riddell. Also great fights. Those will be fun. Then you've got UFC 248. Likely at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, March the 7th. Rumored to be headlined by Israel Adesonia. Making his first title defense against Joel Romero. As well as Zhang Veili versus Joanna Janjacek, both rumored at this point in time. The following week in Brasilia, Brazil, you've got uh, UFC Fight Night, followed by UFC Fight Night at O2 Arena in London, England. Some rumored fights for that one would involve Darren Till versus Robert Whitaker, potentially. Leon Edwards against Tyron Woodley apparently has been discussed. Not sure when that would be. And then April the 18th, fifth time's a charm. Barclays Center, Brooklyn, New York. Khabib defending his title against Tony Ferguson. That's what we have for now. No Canadian events rumored at this point in time. None in Q1, it looks like. I'd be shocked if one is announced for Q1. Would imagine that the first one of the year is in Q2. So we'll see where that would be held. But if you go month by month, typically in May they do a Brazil pay-per-view. June is likely when they would have a Canadian event, in my opinion. June or September. But September usually they do, now it looks like they're going to be doing Abu Dhabi every year. So June is open. July, likely International Fight Week. August, not sure. Could be an Australia event, could be a Canadian event. September, likely in Abu Dhabi. October, usually in Vegas. And then you've got... uh, uh, I mentioned October, November, obviously MSG. And then December, Vegas again. So really, there's only two openings for when there would be a Canadian and Australian pay-per-view. And that would be uh, June and August. So just by... Process of elimination. None of this is confirmed. None of, you know, they could decide to have uh, a card in October somewhere else like they did last year. Who knows? Could be fluid now that they're having one in January. Maybe they're, maybe they're sticking with four events in Vegas. But I, if I had to guess, I think you'll probably see the UFC back in Vegas in October. So that would leave August and June for a potential landing spot for a Canadian pay-per-view. And uh, likely an Australian pay-per-view as well in one of those dates. But given that uh, they're rumored to be having Israel fight in April, July is a possibility, and or June is uh, a little bit, little bit less of a possibility, and you would expect August if they want to have him headline on Australian card. So June in Canada makes sense. I've heard uh, Toronto and Montreal could be on the 
short list of places to host a pay-per-view this year. But it'll be nice weather. I hope it's in Montreal. I love Montreal. Montreal in the summer is uh, lots of fun. Toronto in the summer is great, too. So time will tell. But uh, that's just, again, sheer speculation on my point. On my part, I don't have any inside information. It's just process of elimination. Powers of deduction. My powers of deduction are exceptional. They cannot be wasted here. Let's go to our uh, first guest of the show. She uh, might have been fighting for the title next weekend, if not for her loss to Jermaine Durandame, who ultimately got the title shot. And she is Aspen Ladd, who headlined uh, the last card in Sacramento, California, near her home city of Pioneer, California, city of a population of 1,000 people. This time around, she is on the card in Washington, D.C. against Yana Kuniskaya, and she joins us now on the TSN MMA Show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. I'm now joined by one of the top contenders in the women's bantamweight division. It's Aspen Ladd, who is facing uh, Yana Kuniskaya this weekend in Washington, D.C. How are you, Aspen? Doing great. That's great. Um, I saw an interview that you did with James Lynch. You, you mentioned to him that uh, you were taking a little bit of a different approach to making weight this time around. Um, how are things looking this early in the week? I know it's an annoying question. I, I, I hate talking to people about their weight during fight week, but I thought I'd ask. Um, everything's going well. This is actually the leanest I've come in, so that's great. As far as the different approach goes, I'm just I'm working with a side um, meal prep company and my own personal coach. They're working really well together with the PI, so it's kind of a uh, a joint effort. So is this something that you're going to look to do, I guess, um, you know, more religiously, is come in a little bit uh, lighter and, and not have to, I guess, repeat, uh, you know, have people like me ask you questions about this all the time? Definitely. It definitely helps when I have a, a plenty of notification for a fight, so it's, it helps. Have you watched the video of yourself getting on the scale last time? Like, do you get worried when you watch something like that? No, I haven't watched it. Okay, that's probably a good move. <laughs> um, Gina Carano was on uh, Ariel Hawani's show last week. She said something that that was very interesting to me, which was that uh, this was when she got very emotional. Was that women had a lot of trouble just walking into a gym years ago, maybe about ten years ago, to to learn about MMA. Um, you recently had the the whole thing with the California State Athletic Commission and, and a possible uh, gender discrimination claim. Uh, what other barriers do you think there are that are still to be crossed that, that will put women, I guess, on a level playing field with men? Obviously, on the cards, I mean, there are women headlining cards. You headlined your last, your last event. Um, what barriers do you think there still are to be crossed where, where you can bridge that gap? That one's kind of interesting just because it wasn't a gender discrimination claim. That was, as far as that goes, it, just, it was stopped early. But the California Commission themselves brought up that's a topic of discussion for them, so they want to make sure everything's very equal. And I don't know if it is with other commissions in other places. But there's a lot of people trying to make sure there's a level playing field. I think in this sport, we're treated extremely well. As you said, headlining, all that kind of stuff. Um, there's always more work to be done, but I think we're treated well. Yeah, I always think it's, it's not talked about enough in terms of mixed martial arts. There, You look at every other sport, you know, soccer, tennis, mm -hmm. anything. You, don't, you rarely see men and women compete on the same cards as, as basically equals. Um, where women can headline a card or, you know, women can be on the same card uh, as men um, in just a normal fashion where people don't really, you know, think much of it. It's just that's the way it's just been in the UFC, and I think that's a really cool thing about this sport. 
It really is. I mean, there's not really any sports like it because you always compete against people like size, like age, um, men against men, that kind of thing. But for MMA, it's because it's such an individual thing. I mean, sure, we have teams and everything, but it's individual when you go in there. It's pretty neat that we are. We're all together. I know you like to take things one fight at a time, but in two weeks, uh, Jermaine Durandame is getting the next title shot. She was your last opponent, um, which I think in essence made your last fight with her potentially a title eliminator fight. Is it cl- nice to know that you know, you're know you so close to the title at just 24 years of age? I'm not really that big on reflection as far as you're, you're young, you're here, that kind of thing, like that much self-reflection. So I do, I take it very one fight at a time kind of approach to it, and I always have, and I've been, it's been very helpful for me. So I'm not really thinking too deeply on that yet. Yeah, whenever I ask you about this, you seem to just want to talk about whatever, the person that's right in front of you. Um, why do you think that has helped you? Why do you think that not thinking too far ahead is um, has been valuable to you? It allows you a little bit more to focus on the moment and not really get too uh, head casey. I'll, I'll use that. I don't think it's a verb, but it can be. It is now. So not really too, <laughs> yeah. You don't get too much too worried about the future when you have something right in front of you at the handle in order to get to that future. You're big into hiking. That's living in the now personified. Um, what's the craziest thing you've encountered while you're hiking? I know you bring your dogs with you, but have you seen, do you see mountain lions, anything crazy that, that you would like to tell us about? You don't really see the cougars. Like You see evidence of them. Bears. I've seen bears a couple times. Those ones are always pretty pretty neat. So if you see a bear and you have your dogs, do they bark at them? Like you know, what happens? What's I'm always curious about this because I'm always I live I live near a lake. I live near one of the Great Lakes. So I'm always wondering if I'm walking with my dog, what happens if I see a bear? What do I do? Uh, what, what what did you do when you saw a bear? Was it a, like a baby bear or like was this like a legit big black no. bear? It was a legit big one, but it's not like you guys up in Canada you got the, the grizzlies. We don't have those in California. We got black bears, so it's still a big animal, but it's not like monster looking grizzly bear. Um, I just try to grab them before they notice it. Luckily, this last time I was able to because they want to chase it. It's it's fun for them. But, yeah, just try to try to snag your pup. Well, thankfully, the black bears are a lot more timid than, than like I mentioned, the grizzly bears. But I, I, have you seen there's a video online of somebody's like, checking their phone. They're, like, walking, and then they, they go around the corner. There's, like, a black bear, and they both encounter each other and both look at each other and run away. <laughs> I, I love that video. It's, I think that that's... I guess what makes it a little bit uh, less off-putting when you see a black bear. Yeah. No, I haven't seen that one. I'm looking up now. I've seen the one where there's like this big old grizzly and the guy is walking. It's a grizzly mama and her cubs, and he's walking backwards for a long period of time, and they're following him. Like, that would be terrifying. Yeah, you don't want to get near a grizzly bear's cub. That's probably one thing you want to avoid. (laughs) I noticed you've had uh, Marion Renault with you in your training camp. She's Yana Kuniskaya's last opponent. How helpful has that been for Mm -hmm. you? Myron and I have actually been training partners and friends for a long time, long before I got to the UFC. And I was just a baby pro fighter. But it's been super helpful. I mean, we always work well together. I find it interesting. She's a high school teacher. And, like, if you lived in her district and went to high school, she could have been your teacher. But for some reason, that, that stuck with me today. So is she able, when, when you guys are, you know, I guess, playing off of each other in training or whatever, is she good at teaching you things? Like, are you able to kind of click with her in that way? The thing is, Marion has, she's a female black belt. She has her own gym. She just opened it recently, last within the last year, I believe, Trifecta MMA, and she is a coach. So she's a teacher and she's a coach on top of it. So that's just part of who she is. She's very, very good at imparting information. Don't mention to her that I said that you could have been her high school student. She might get angry. 
you grew up in a small town, a thousand people. What's that like? You know, what what was the day to day like for you? Um, for somebody like me who's more introverted, loves nature, it was perfect. So I was very happy. I mean, if you're more, you, you need stimulation all the time as far as people and activity and cities, that kind of thing. It's really not for you. I get, but you didn't really. Do you venture out into the city a lot, or was that just kind of your way of life? kind of my way of life and then I found training and I am basically up in the hills and I train and it's been that way for almost 10 years now do you get kind of agoraphobic when you're out in public like does the idea of going to like a mall for Christmas shopping like appeal to you in any way oh I hate it I hate it so bad (laughs) like every time I come home from a trip you got to travel a lot with this You, you see a lot of places like China oh my gosh so many people that and like you got Vegas, it's like Vegas times a hundred as far as the amount of people. It feels like I need to detox after that. Yeah, so so that kind of thing doesn't like if you go to those kind of places, that's uh, that's kind of hell to you, just being stuck in these gigantic crowds. I mean, especially in Vegas, you see, it's it's basically fantasy land. It's the opposite of a of a small city of a thousand people. Yeah, it's like uh, an evil Disneyland for adults. That's a good way of putting it. I like that. <laughs> I I obviously I go and cover the events there, and I. Like, whenever I'm out at night, it's just that I would rather be anywhere else, frankly. I, I completely understand. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we could relate on that level. So, Yana Kunitskaya, um, what do you think she brings to the table that, that you haven't seen before? She's very, she's almost like karate and taekwondo as far as when you watch her, her style. So, I haven't quite encountered that. I faced strikers, I first faced um, grapplers, but never somebody that's quite like her she's a little bit different very lanky i read a story about her today her uh boyfriend is tiago santos who fought john jones uh in the summer and uh he was Mm -hmm. talking about how she's she's really helped him with his rehab and talked about how uh because she's like a bantamweight she's able to like lift him up and put him in a wheelchair and for some reason that visual has been stuck with me today (laughs) yeah no they're because you we were just out at the PI and stuff. They basically, I think she lives in Vegas. They're there 24-7, so you see them together. Yeah, but just the idea of her carrying him around for some reason was, <laughs> I don't know why, it's its strange to me. But uh, either way, Aspen, thank you for this. I appreciate it. Uh, best of luck in Washington, D.C. Yourself, Yana Kunitskaya, we're looking forward to, to watching you do your thing this weekend. Awesome. Thank you. That was Aspen Ladd, a big fight against Yana Kunitskaya coming up. And uh, she's a, a top prospect. I think that she's going to have a title shot uh, in the next couple of years for sure. I mean, the women's bantamweight division right now just does not have a whole lot going on. Uh, and, I mean, you can say the same for the featherweight division. And a lot of that is a credit to Amanda Nunes, who's basically dispatched of anybody they've put in front of her uh, over the last couple of years. But, like, if you go down the ranks of the uh, bantamweight division, you got that. Jermaine, obviously, is number one. She's fighting next for the, uh, the title. Ketlin Vieira is on that same card, I believe, as Amanda Nunes. Uh, she is fighting um, against Irina Aldana. And uh, this is her comeback fight. She hasn't fought in about two years. Uh, Holly Holm ranked number three. They just announced that she will be facing Raquel Pennington. Uh, a fight that was supposed to happen a couple months back has been rescheduled. I believe that's in March, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, either February or March. Uh, I can't remember offhand. Uh, Juliana Pena is back in the mix. She had a child and took some time off. And now she's uh, coming off a win over Nico Montano, who also had her uh, next fight announced um, earlier today. And again, for the life of me, I can't remember who she's fighting. I can't remember if she's going back down to 125 or 
I'm going to look this up because now it's going to bother me. But then you've got uh, Raquel Pennington, who I mentioned is against the uh, aforementioned Holly Holm, and uh, Yana Kunitskaya, who's facing Aspen Ladd. Aspen Ladd ranked fifth uh, in the women's bantamweight division. As I look up who Nico Montano is fighting next, because I remember it was an interesting opponent and uh, an interesting matchup. Yes, uh, she's, fa- she's fighting at the, on that Rio Rancho card against uh, Macy, Chase, uh, Macy Chase on. So that's uh, an interesting one in the women's bantamweight division. Number 12th ranked Macy Chason against number 14th ranked Nico Montano. Nico's uh, second fight since uh, vacating the women's flyweight title, or I guess being stripped of the women's uh, flyweight title, if we're being honest. So, uh, yeah, the bantamweight division doesn't have a whole lot going on, although when you do look down the list of the top 10, Nunes has only beaten a few of them. I mean, there are still, it seems like a lot of these fighters are beating each other uh, on the path to facing Amanda Nunes, but Vieira has yet to face her. Uh, Juliana Pena has yet to face her. Aspen Ladd has yet to face her. Kunitskaya has not faced Amanda Nunes. Marion Renault, I don't believe, has fought Amanda Nunes either. So, uh, still some people that Amanda Nunes can face. And then, of course, you move up to the featherweight division, and uh, Nunes hasn't fought any other featherweights. She just beat Chris Cyborg. Cyborg now in Bellator. And uh, you've got Felicia Spencer, who uh, recently lost to Chris Cyborg. You've got Megan Anderson, who's coming off a win. And uh, that's about it, I think. Not a whole lot of women in the featherweight division. Slim pickings. Slim pickings, indeed. So that's how that picture shapes up right now. And uh, we go from one prospect to another. A very interesting cat in the featherweight division. And that would be Bryce Har- uh not Bryce Harper. This isn't the baseball podcast. So if you're tuning in right now, I'm not going to talk about Bryce Harper. I'm going to talk about Bryce Mitchell. And I watched him on the uh, Ultimate Fighter undefeated season. And uh, he, I thought, was the, the most talented guy in the show. Unfortunately, did not get the win. Did not win the season. But did end up getting into the UFC. You know, I spoke to Joe Gianetti on a recent show who made it to the finals and didn't get into the UFC. However, uh, Bryce Mitchell was able to secure a spot. And uh, he's a very interesting character. You can watch... Uh, his life in Arkansas on Homegrown Fighter on YouTube. There's a lot of fun stuff going on in the life of Bryce Mitchell, to say the least. And he joins us now on the TSN MMA show. I'm now joined by one of the top prospects in the UFC. It is Bryce Mitchell. You know, Bryce, I actually came up to you before you fought on the finale of your Ultimate Fighter season. I said, you know, I thought you were the best guy on that show. And you thanked me and it was, it was nice to meet you on that day. Man, I don't know if I was the best. I'm definitely the sexiest. <laughs> well, I'm not going to argue with you there. The camo shorts, 2,000 signatures for the petition. Is it going to happen this weekend? Hey, if I get a win, it's going to be one step closer. I promise you that. They can't ignore me forever. Have there been any talks about it? Did you talk to anybody from Reebok? Uh, I haven't. I know my managers talked to it. They've designed some of them. Um, you know, I don't know. But, I like, you know, if I just keep winning, they can't ignore me forever. You know, say if I go on like a 10-fight win streak, I'll get some camo shorts. So I watched your latest uh, homegrown fighter video, and you took hunting to a new level. You choked out a deer, and then you guys ate it. Okay, walk me through the story. Well, everybody thinks I'm bragging because I said that I choked a deer out. Well, really, I'm embarrassed because I missed a shot at it. It was sleeping, and I missed a wide-open shot at it with my crossbow. And... uh I didn't have any bolts left, and deer was sitting there sleeping, so I just, I, you know, I, I was embarrassed that I missed, and I was mad at myself, so I crawled out of deer stand, crawled up on it, and rear naked choked it. 
So you reared it, and it was asleep, but was it like, was it, did it like react when you got on its back? I'm confused as to what happened. Well, it started, well, when I first got up to it, because, you know, deer, actually a deer's killed a dude in Arkansas this year. He shot a buck and he went to put it down and deer got up and just plum whooped him. So I thought that was going to be me. So I got up to the deer, I straddled it. And I texted my buddy. He was te- he was hunting about a quarter mile away. And so I texted him. I said, help, help, help. I texted him three times and said, help. And I didn't tell him what was going on. I just told him, help. He probably thought I shot myself or something on accident. So he runs over, and and uh, I was scared the deer was going to get up and whoop me. But it turns out that I whooped the deer, and when he got there, that thing was still twitching. But, uh, I mean, it was pretty much dead, but it was twitching so hard that I didn't know that it was dead. And so I was freaking out. I told him, I said, stab the deer, stab it, stab it. And he said, I don't got my knife. I said, go get my hatchet because I had a hatchet in the deer stand. So he run back to the deer stand and gets a hatchet. And then uh, I had a rear naked choke on it. So as soon as I let go of the choke, he chopped its head, and it, it was done for. But it was probably already dead. Because right when I let go of its head, it just went limp. So I figured it was already dead. But I have to just make sure. What's the legality of that? I'm sure you haven't looked into this. But is there any sort of legal ramifications for choking a deer? Are you allowed to do that? I, I don't know what the rules of hunting are. Well, I didn't tag it, you know. So <laughs> I figured it wasn't a bow kill, it wasn't a gun kill. So I didn't tag it. So <laughs> I don't know about the legal. I ate all the evidence. <laughs> Yeah, fair what enough. Deer? I saw what you guys. What are we talking about? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you, I saw you guys ate that. What does what does a deer heart taste like? I saw you guys ate the heart of the deer. The heart is delicious. I actually never ate the heart. Roly talked me into it, and it was absolutely delicious. I usually use it for catfish bait, but uh, yeah, that that deer heart's delicious. You just fry it up. It's good stuff, and it's got to be nutritious. It's got to be. I figure. Now I want to ask you about uh, one of your post-fight comments from your your previous win. You said that you had you were undergoing some Jerry Springer stuff with your girlfriend at home. Has that gotten sorted out? Hey, that that episode Jerry Springer it it's ended. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on to a new episode now. No, that, hey man, that, it was some crazy stuff going on. So we, I definitely got a new girlfriend. Nothing nothing crazy's been going on since. Can, can you elaborate on what kind of crazy stuff was going on? Oh, I can't even elaborate, man. Trust me. It's it's a whole episode. <laughs> well, if, if you're willing to share a story about choking out a deer and you won't share that story, I'm a little bit worried about what actually took place there. But I'll, I'll let it go. Uh, again, I've, also after your last fight, you were talking about trying to get your weight up this time. You felt like you were smaller than your opponent last time, and you were upset with yourself that I guess you had gotten up to 152 after cutting to 145. Uh, what are you trying to do this time around that's going to change that? I hired a strength and conditioning coach and just – have been eating a lot more and I'm walking around a whole lot bigger than I've ever been. And, uh, you know, now I just got to, now I'm, I'm confident and I'm strong enough and I'm bigger and I did everything right now. I just got to make sure I make the weight, you know, cause it's going to be a lot harder for me to make the weight. That's a good thing about being smaller than the dude that you're fighting is you don't have to cut as much weight. But, uh, you know, now that I'm, I'm bigger, I'm walking around over 160 every day. So now I just got to make sure that I can actually make the weight. And I, I know I can. It's just going to be a little bit harder than usual. What do you usually do diet-wise during during fight week and before and after you make weight? Uh, diet-wise, I usually have like one cheat meal a week, and usually I'll eat some fried fish or something uh, on that one cheat meal. Um, but, yeah, I just have about one cheat meal, and then, 
like this week, since it's the week of the fight, I won't even have a cheat meal. I won't even eat. But after the fight, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to eat some cake, some fried chicken. some. So, I mean, I'm going to eat everything. I, th- I think I read you you were gonna you planned on taking your mother to a steakhouse after your last fight. Did that did that happen? It did. Yeah, she loved it. She she loves some steak. Actually, everybody in my family does. <laughs> you and Matt Sales, both young guys uh, in the UFC. Uh, Matt has looked very impressive as of late. What do you think is uh, is his biggest threat to you? Uh, he's gonna try to punch me in the head and kick me in the head, and uh, that's what I gotta watch out for. I I figure he's gonna try to do that. <clears throat> So are you planning for a more grappling-heavy attack then? Well, I'm going to try to. You know, if I can't get him down, then, you know, I'm going to have to throw some back at him. But, I mean, I'm going to try to take him down. I don't know if I can or not. We'll see. But, you know, I'm not just going to rush in right off the bat. I'm going to stand with him a little bit, try to just mix it up. Yeah, from watching you on Tough, you have a really diverse skill set when it comes to submissions. Uh, Any any tricks we haven't seen yet that you're, you're looking to try out? I can't even tell you about all my secret stuff. That's top secret. <laughs> <laughs> but the, is, it, is it a deep arsenal? I could kill a man with one touch. <laughs> or a deer, for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you looking forward to most about this particular fight? Is there anything uh, anything different that's been going on uh, in your life that's made, made things a little bit easier or that uh, is giving you a little bit of a different perspective going into this one? Oh, definitely, man. I'm uh I'm ready to get back home and get to get to working on my my little ranch that I got going. I've got a, a workshop that I'm working on and a storm a storm shelter. I want there's so much stuff that I want to go home and work on, and I love fighting and everything. But uh, you know, I just want I want to you know go home healthy, be able to work, be able to get right back to what I was doing. I just love everything that's going on. So, but uh, yeah, I just want to get through this fight win and and uh be healthy but but winning's more important than being healthy i'll take a broke leg for a win you know but uh preferably i could i could be healthy and win that's the goal <laughs> you had a, a pretty bad accident last year um with a drill or a saw was it a saw or a drill it was a drill, a and drill. It, yeah it, it won that fight yeah so do you, do you have any ptsd about that because i know i personally uh would probably have nightmares about it for years if that happened to me yeah, it was pretty terrible. I mean, it it almost got me for good. Um, yeah, I got a drill holster now. I recommend anybody using power tools has a as a holster for those tools. You know, don't put them in your pants for sure. Well, uh, thanks for your time, Bryce. This is uh, always very enlightening because I I'm you know I live in Toronto. I, I'm a big city boy, but when I hear about your stories in Arkansas, it's always uh, interesting to me. <laughs> well, thank you for having me, my brother. I appreciate it. And uh, if you want to learn more about the uh, the hijinks of living out in uh, in Arkansas and training, I, I recommend the homegrown fighter videos on uh, on YouTube. We get a look into the uh, the life of of uh, Bryce Mitchell, and he'll give you some tips also about uh, how to use leftover motor oil. Which uh, I didn't realize it kills ants. So uh, we had lots of ants. Now I know that if I have ants again in my backyard, like ant hills, I can just pour old motor oil on them, and it'll it'll yeah. take care of the trick. Yes, sir. Pour that motor oil on them. Hey, if they're really pesky, light it up. <laughs> 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 All right, Bryce, thanks for this. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, bye-bye. Well, that's an interesting guy, Bryce Mitchell. Stories on stories of life in Arkansas. I I can't relate. I I hate to say it. I cannot relate to choking a deer or to coming up with interesting ways to use motor oil. But uh, 
Bryce Mitchell's your guy if that's your, your kind of thing. If you're inter- interested in outdoorsman activities and, of course, MMA. Because uh, he's, he's one heck of a fighter. He's very, very crafty with his submissions. And uh, I'm interested to see what happens with him and Matt Sales. Because Matt Sales is also a, a top prospect. I really think Matt Sales has a bright future ahead of him as well. Really looking forward to that one. I actually think that might be the dark horse for the uh, best fight on the card. If you're looking outside of the top two fights. And even with the top two fights included, I think Bryce, Bryce Mitchell versus Matt Sales is uh, one to really look forward to. That just about wraps it up for us this week on the TSN MMA show. This was a, an interesting show, a very fun show. Always a pleasure speaking with uh, Bryce Mitchell and Aspen Ladd. Aspen Ladd complimented my suit when I, uh, when I last met her at the uh, UFC Rochester card. And I appreciated that. She's got good taste in suits. And I, I, you know, I always hate asking fighters about their weight cuts and, oh, what do you weigh this week? And I'll, I don't know why people find it interesting. I, I find the, the process interesting. But before someone cuts weight, like if she misses weight, I'll gladly ask her, you know, what happened? But I don't need to ask her how she's doing on a, whatever, a Tuesday of fight week, Wednesday of fight week. I, you know, oh, well, how's your weight looking? How, eh. She's not going to tell me anything. She's not going to say, oh, you know what? I had a real setback last night. Got really hungry and ate a big family-sized bag of Skittles. Now my weight is way off. She's not going to tell me if she did that. Not that I'm accusing Aspen Ladd or anybody else of eating Skittles during fight week and getting uh, derailed in their weight cuts because they're so hungry that they want to eat a giant bag of candy. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I am not implying that about any fighters in the UFC. And I have not heard any stories to suggest that that is something that has happened. So far be it from me to believe that a fighter might eat a family-sized bag of Skittles while they're trying to cut weight. These are disciplined athletes. But I don't like asking about it. I didn't like asking Joanna about it, and that was a big story. But I, you know, you got to ask these things sometimes. It's annoying. It's annoying to the fighter and annoying to me. Believe me. I was, also, I was on with uh, TSN Radio in Ottawa. My friends uh, Steve Bunda and Graham Creech over the weekend. And they asked me about, I forget who it was. It was, oh, yeah, it was Floyd Mayweather versus Khabib in a boxing match. I'm going to institute a strict policy about talking about crossover boxing MMA matches. I'm tired of it. We don't need this in our lives. Our lives are better off when we're not speculating about these boxing UFC crossovers. I don't want, until one is signed, let's stop talking about it. You think that Dana wants to put together, he wants to derail the most popular, busiest division in the UFC so that he can have Khabib, a wrestler, box Floyd Mayweather. And believe me, I know that Khabib believes with every ounce of his soul that he can beat Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. He believes it in his heart of hearts. You would not be a fighter if you did not believe that you could beat somebody in another combat sport. Ben Askren wrestled against Jordan Burroughs this past year in an exhibition. Do you think that he thought he was going to lose that? No, he thought he was going to win. In his heart of hearts, he thought he was going to beat Jordan Burroughs. And in Khabib's heart of hearts, I, I bet you, and his agent probably, his training partners, they probably all believe that he could beat Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. Maybe not Daniel Cormier. Cormier said he's, are you crazy? When, we, when people asked him if he would buy, box uh, Anthony Joshua, he goes, are you, are you out of your mind? Why would I box Anthony Joshua? It's the only like, realist that I've seen in the UFC talk about it that way. Like, that talks about the knowledge that they would have a lot of trouble boxing a high-level boxer. High-level boxers have trouble beating high-level boxers. So if you're a high-level mixed martial artist that isn't a high-level boxer, 
at least in the pecking order of boxing rankings or whatever it is, what leads you to believe that you're going to beat one of the best boxers in their division? So I don't want to talk about it anymore. You ask me a question about box, a boxer versus a mixed martial artist, I'm going to tell you what my strict policy is that I don't talk about it because it's annoying. Do you know how much work would go into promoting a fight like that? How many people would need to agree on stuff? What sports are going to be? What car, is it going to be on Zufa Box? There's a lot of stuff that goes into this. So stop it. I'm done with it. And with that, we have reached the conclusion of another TSN MMA show. Next week, it'll be UFC 245 Fight Week. Make sure you're on tsn.ca slash UFC for all kinds of different video, interview content, all that good stuff in the lead-in to what I think is going to be a great event to you know, close out the year in terms of pay-per-views in the UFC. Very, very exciting. Three titles on the line. How many will change hands? Remember the last time there were three titles on the line? I think it was UFC 217. I might be wrong. But if it was, all three titles turned, uh, changed hands that night. I feel like there was a card in Dallas afterwards that had three title fights. Before we wrap this up, I'm going to look that up because I think there were three title fights on the line that night too. It was Jessica Andrade versus Ioanni. Oh, that was before. That was UFC 211. There were only two titles on the line. My mistake. So I think the last time there were three titles on the line, all of them changed hands. Could it happen this time? Of course it could. It's MMA. Anything can happen. Will it happen? I don't know. I don't think so. Not personally. Personally, I don't think so. I do think that all three challengers are legit, though. I do think they're all live. But the chances of all three of them changing hands is uh, it's a pretty, pretty minute. That being said, thanks for tuning in. Next week, lots of fight coverage. UFC 245, the final pay-per-view of the year. We'll also have an interview with Ben Saunders on the show. And uh, a lot more. So tune into that. Thank you. Be back next week. Until then, enjoy the fights. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.